Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. This podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday normal rhythms of life. Gentlemen, would you name yourself? How's it going, Alex Tate, Sacred City Youth Director? Joel Bickford, Deacon of Worship. And Rob Spexter, Pastor of Discipleship. Okay, welcome back to the podcast, guys. We have been in kind of a little bit of a you know, we call it a season or you can call it maybe a, a theme of how to study scripture. And we've been talking about, um, one, how to study scripture. And then we talked about some defeater beliefs. And now we're going to talk about some, let's just call them challenges, some, some challenges. What makes scripture difficult to study? Because it, it is difficult than, or I mean, it is different than any other book, mm-hmm. right? Most of us are not reading you know, books that were written two to 4,000 years ago. Most of us are not written books that were written in the Middle East. Most of us are not written books, reading books that were written in a different language most of the time. Um, and then some of us aren't reading books at all. So there's a lot of challenges to actually reading the Bible that are more technical, let's just say. And so we're going to start with some of those technical challenges first. We could call them even historical challenges because... Scripture was not written. I don't know if you knew this. It was not written in the United States of America. What? Oh, man. No, it wasn't. And it wasn't written yesterday, right? Mo- like the tweets that you read, the Facebook stuff that you read, most of the stuff that you read was probably written in the last week. Yeah. Honestly, mm. news articles, Facebook posts, Instagram, all of that stuff is so current that you probably immediately grasp what it means what context it was written in, some bizarre phrases that are being used today, like clown world, if you know what's clown world. <laughs> like, we get it. Like, t- 10 years ago, you wouldn't understand what that word meant, yeah. right? But now you get it. Why? Because you're living in the moment and it's easy to understand. Well, when you read scripture, scripture is not written yesterday. Mm-hmm. And that, that presents some very specific challenges to studying the Bible that we have to address if we're going to come to understand it and apply it and believe it and appropriate it in our, mm-hmm. in our daily life. Mm-hmm. So, guys, what, what are some of those challenges? The time gap. It's the time gap that we have here. Okay, so the time gap. The time gap is pretty easy to understand. Depending on what book of the Bible you're reading, mm. it was written in a completely different time period as the time that we are currently living in, right? right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, you could go on and on and on, the prophets, to the New Testament. Each one of these books was written in a very distinct and definite period of time. And that time is, that the, the time when it was written is going to affect how we come to understand the, the text itself, mm, right? Okay. Because... What 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 would uh, influence? What would influence the uh, our understanding at when it when it uh, our understanding of scripture when it comes to time? Like what challenges do we have there? What what would change our interpretation? How does the time gap bring challenges to our interpretation of scripture? Well, I think one thing we need to be thinking about is just the progressive nature of scripture or of revelation. So, in other words, God is he is slowly over time revealing truths that at one point we were completely clueless about and then he can he starts to roll those out over 
over a period of time. Okay, so, uh, so let me okay. push pause. Why okay. do you say that? Okay. So you used a term that is latent with meaning there, progressive revelation. Mm -hmm. In other words, <clears throat> you are sitting in darkness and God doesn't just flip the... You yeah. know, flip the sun on and burn mm. your retinas out of your brain, right? Like just out of your mind. <laughs> he progressively reveals himself. That means he just, you know, it's like the sunrise. Mm -hmm. It just mm -hmm. peaks over, you, you know, it just peaks over the horizon and that helps you acclimate your vision. And and then all of a sudden now by noon, it's full blazing sun, right? Yeah. We get this picture of progressive revelation every single day with the sun. If we went from if we went from midnight to noon in Oof. one second, yeah. that would be insane, right? Yeah. Well, God reveals Himself like that over time, and so He revealed Himself in Genesis just a little, like we just kind of get to know Him. And but by the time we read the Book of Revelation, mm -hmm. whoa, we have we have Jesus in full sun, yeah. right at noontime. So the I only way to we know that is by spending time with Him, right? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Go yeah, so definitely that. Probably another thing, and, and this gets down to how God has actually determined to give us his word, is he, he's, he's working through ordinary human beings. Mm -hmm. So these are ordinary human beings in whom he has used to become human authors while there is the spiritual author that are coming together like a like, like two rivers coming together. You know, you get these two rivers coming together. There's that point where these two rivers come together and you have this, they call it the confluence. That's what's happening with scripture. And so they, all of scripture is influenced by that individual's, um, you know, his personality, his time in life. So yeah. in other words, what history is around him is going to um, influence the way that he is writing. And of course, the Holy Spirit is superseding this and overseeing this, but yeah, that's going to that's gonna be influential. So God doesn't transcend our worldview or, or the author's worldview. He uses, and this is, it's mm. hard to understand. He uses the author's current worldview to write things that the author understands in a certain way. Now, could there be meanings beyond his understanding? Yes, that's the brilliance because God is inspiring him. But in other words, you never, you don't have prophets writing about tanks and yeah. skyscrapers and moon exploration and lasers. God doesn't give them some kind of information that transcends their culture. He, he gives them a picture that they can understand, even though th some of those meanings and understandings might have, you know, meanings a little bit beyond what they could could, could grasp at the moment. Mm -hmm. But he writes within their culture and within their context, mm -hmm. and and so a very simple way of understanding. Many times the time gap, we we naturally understand it. We do this in our brain, but if you ever read the Bible to your kids, your your kids don't. So. To be like, um, so he wrote a letter. Wait, 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 wait. Why did he write a letter? Why didn't he just call him? Yeah. Why didn't he just call him? Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, they didn't have cell phones back then. <laughs> yeah. And the way of communication communication was you wrote a letter yeah. to this person, and that took weeks or months, depending how far along it was, to get to that person, right? So th that's part of understanding the time gap, right? Mm -hmm. A person's understanding of the world, understanding of science, mathematics, 
um, architecture. All of that is determined by your time, culture, context. And God works within that to inspire the writing. And so when we are reading scripture that's not, well, obviously all scripture is not written in our time, we have to do our best to understand what did this mean at that particular time, Mm. right? At that particular time, what did this mean? And this is really important when you're studying the New Testament, when it seems like some of the writers are writing like the return of Christ is imminent, like it's hap- it's about to happen right now. Um, <clears throat> and people can read it and go, whoa, well, what happened? Like, I thought, I thought, you know, I thought the end times were right there. Well, yes, in one sense, the end times began with Christ's resurrection. With Christ's resurrection, the end times began. Mm-hmm. Now, we have no... Day is like a thousand years unto the Lord. We have no idea how long the end times mm-hmm. are are actually going to last. But when we're reading, like let's say the Book of Revelation, we can't read into it our own time period experience. So we're reading about flying beasts and all this kind of thing. Oh, that's got to be an Apache helicopter. That's got no. That's not what it meant. It was some kind of flying thing. It could have been spiritual in nature. It could have been like we we don't yeah. really. But it had to mean something to them, yeah. right? It had to mean something to them in the moment. And we need to know, how did John originally receive this revelation and what did it mean to his original hearers? And again, more than likely, it, it, it was a preparing them for the, um, you know, the, uh, the, the persecution that they were going to experience and the ultimately the fall of Jerusalem, mm. right? Jerusalem is going to be destroyed yeah. in 70 AD. And this was preparing them for that actual event yeah. that was taking place. Yeah. yeah, it's good. So under this time gap, would something like us importing our definition for a word, the thing that's coming to mind is um, like our, our 21st century understanding of what's like a slave. Oh, so like when Paul says, slave or when we see that he calls us slaves of Christ you're yeah, no longer yeah. slaves to yeah. the flesh you're slaves of Christ now yeah and so like our our um, ESV translates it to bond servant yeah. over and over and over but they the reason they translate it to bond servant is the word is actually slave but when we hear the word slave we think of modern what well, we call it the modern day slave trade. We mm-hmm. think race-based chattel slavery. Right. And that was a type of slavery that happened much later than the New Testament writers. And it's not the same type of, of slavery. And right. so we we don't want, the, 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 the scholars did not want people to assume that the Bible is promoting race-based chattel slavery right. that was practiced in, America, right? Because that's not what he meant. Because that's not what he meant. Yeah. I mean, the Bible condemns yeah. man stealing and yeah. selling men and all this. It's a sin. Yeah. But slavery has been a human experience since, well, we don't even know, early, early, early yeah. on. But it was the way, the, primarily the way of getting yourself out of debt, mm-hmm. right? You, 
if I didn't have money to pay and I owed you money, what was going to happen? You were either going to take it out of my hide, right? You're either going to kill me or do something, or I could come work for you. Yeah. And basically, I become your slave for a set period of time until I can pay off my debts, and then I'm free. Mm-hmm. It was never, it was never meant to be a lifelong, you know, s- slavery where you owned someone. That's always condemned in Scripture. We see this in with Pharaoh and all these different places. We we see it in the Scripture, but slavery was not just outright. Slavery is not just outright condemned in Scripture. Mm-hmm. We we have New Testament texts that tell slaves obey your masters as mm-hmm. in the Lord, right? And you know if you can be free, then yeah, seek your freedom. Yeah. But if not, then do then serve your master wholeheartedly, mm-hmm. right? And so, so when we so there's the, the time gap messes us up there yeah. because when we hear slavery, we immediately think, oh my yeah. gosh, it's terrible. There's slavery practice all over the world, different forms of slavery. And then Jesus tells us, well, yeah, Jesus says like, you know, this, no, no, it's not Jesus. Is it Jesus that a slave is servant to the, uh, if you're in debt? That's Paul. Paul, Paul, mm-hmm. yeah. If you're in debt, the, ser- the, the one who is in debt is, in, is a slave yeah. to his master who is whoever he owes the money to, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. so there's all kinds of types of slavery, but to help us bridge that gap, which... Sometimes it's helpful, sometimes yeah. it's not helpful. The scholars say, okay, I'm going to use bondservant language instead of slavery language. And yet, when you use bondservant language, you lose some significant points of reference to the original text yeah. because when I hear bondservant, personally, I have no reference for that. Yeah. Yeah. What is a bondservant? We yeah, just, like yeah, no I've weight. never been one. So. No There's no way. Never seen one. Like, what is a bondservant? Right. And when it says I'm a bondservant to Christ, whoa. What is that? But when it says, I'm a slave to Christ, I'm like, whoa. Whoa, yeah. I'm meant to be a slave of Christ? Right. Whoa. Well, immediately that brings up some reverence to me, like King Jesus, who made me, who yeah. purchased me, he determines what I should do with my life. Yeah. I'm meant to be a slave right. of Christ, a beloved slave, a child, all this, but also a slave. Oh. So So the, the, the time gap creates some problems right. for us. Which sure. is now causing us to kind of slip into another gap, which is the cultural gap. Yeah, but hold on. Before yeah. we do okay. that, okay. I agree with you. But before we go there, what helps us bridge that time gap? Mm. Mm. How can we, you know, like those were written so long ago, how can we understand what they originally meant? And then how can I extrapolate from that principles that can help me live my life well or get what I'm supposed to get out of the text. Well, you got to have some... Lived, what, right? What's that? Where they actually lived, I would think, right? Okay, so what? So how do, I fi- how do I find that, though? Yeah. How do I find that? Well, you've got to have some resources. A few resources outside of the Word of God is always helpful. And I have, uh, ever since seminary... And I'm, now I can't, oh, it's a handbook. It's called the Bible Handbook. And it takes just a... Probably about four or five pages to explain... Of, for each book of the Bible to explain the historical context of which we are finding those particular individuals in. A good study Bible will do the, do the same thing, probably a little bit more condensed, but those kind of resources are simple to read, gives you the, gives you the historical context that you're, you're finding yourself in. Many times it'll give you a theological con- context as well in the sense of helping us understand progressive revelation, where it's coming in in the story. Uh, but that has certainly been helpful for me, and I, I've, I've used that for years. You know, just that's the first thing I go to many times. I'm just getting into a new book. The Bible Project. <laughs> that's a, a very simple, helpful um, mm-hmm. tool as well. So, yeah, 
And you're referring to the one that's on um, YouTube. YouTube is mm-hmm. that right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I would. I'm just going to recommend the ESV Study Bible. I think the ESV Study Bible, you've got stuff um, that leads you up into the book of the Bible. You've got context. You've got date that it was written. You've got all these different things, and then you've got notes within your Bible as well that's going to help you bridge that time gap. Mm-hmm. I would recommend that you get a trusted a trusted source, you know. And I think ESV Bible is a is a a pretty good one. Yeah. 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 Good. All right. So what's the next historical challenge? Well, it, and now let's go back to what I, I feel is pretty important, which you slipped into with regards to, uh, Joel, regards to uh, slavery, and that is the cultural context. We, mm-hmm. it is a, it's a gap that his history creates for us that we have to, at times, understand culturally what is going on or what they mean at that moment. Um, I think when we are in studying the book of Nehemiah, uh, None of us lived in a, none of us lived in a city where we needed walls. So you, that's a cultural issue, and, and actually we could go to another gap. And because we're not the, from Texas, yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Oh, goodness. They got walls. They need them right now. <laughs> they need them. Uh, and which goes into the another section, which is another gap, which is the geographical gap. Because even there, when we were studying the Book of Nehemiah, we we one need to understand why why did they need walls? Why was that important? So that's a cultural issue. But also, as we were studying, we were, we were also learning a little bit about the geography of Israel, the geography of Jerusalem particularly, and why the, you know, there were some things going on there that was important to understand both of those things. Yeah. The geography, I think, is got, is, for me personally, is one of the hardest things to mm-hmm. understand. I've never been geographically inclined, I'll yeah. just say. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I remember when I was in high school, just trying to get to Walmart. I couldn't get to Walmart. We didn't have, we didn't have the cell phones. We didn't have all that. And I got lost. I went to, I was headed towards Iowa city going to, uh, wow. trying to get to, I trying to get to, get to Walmart. Walmart huh? yeah. <laughs> but geography's always been a challenge. You know, my Bibles have always had maps in them. You go to the back, they got maps. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. What do I do with this? Yeah. I have no <laughs> idea what to do with this, but because it's far removed from us and we can you know, when I read Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings has got maps too. Yeah. Mm. And I look at those maps and I'm like, yeah, I don't really get Just it. skip over mm-hmm. it. Yeah, yeah. But when he's writing, J.R.R. Tolkien's writing, you know, they're going through, you know, you know, the, 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 the land of Rohan and they're going through this place and he's talking about the mountains on the right and the, and the stream on the left. And, and I'm just like, oh man, how, I, don't, I can't even picture how you created this world, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Well, when I read the Bible... Immediately in the Bible, you have a lot of geography. In yeah. the in the Garden of Eden, you have geography. You mm-hmm. have a river that's splitting out into three ways, and it's going to the Pishon and this and that. And immediately, I'm just like, "Yeah, you lost me. Yeah, you lost me." I there. had to look up like, "Where's this Jordan River?" I keep on hearing Jordan River in here. Like, you got to find it on a globe. You yeah, gotta yeah, figure it out. Yeah, but these are real places. They are important places. Why? Because God made the earth and all of these at you know aspects of creation are important to him and we don't necessarily understand you're going to read about Zion a lot in the old testament you're going to read about Jerusalem a lot mm-hmm. and it is the mount of the lord it's the place where god chose to dwell it's a very specific and special place on earth 
And so geography means when you read about going down places, that means, means something. something yeah. when, you, when you hear about going up to Jerusalem, yeah. that means something. Right. Like there's meaning latent in those descriptions that we miss. When you hear about Jesus, he's in Samaria. Yep, I was just thinking that. And you're like... He walks from Ju- Judea to Samaria, and then it says, wearied as he was from his journey, he needed some water. Then then that's like the intro to the yeah. woman at the well. It's like, well, because yeah. that was a really far walk. <laughs> yeah. And he's walking everywhere he goes. He walked far. It was out of his way. It wasn't the most direct route. So you immediately see Jesus wasn't just about efficiency. He was doing something yeah. special, Very something cool. particular. Mm-hmm. And so he, he goes up to... I was it up to Samaria or was yeah, it down? Up. Okay, it goes up to Samaria and, and Samaria. Then you learn about Samaria and you learn, oh, Samaria, I would say it in our day, Samaria was the hood. Yeah. Mm. Samaria was where you don't want to go. Samaria mm. was Jews don't go to because they're half, they're called quote unquote half breeds. They yeah. were like, basically they interbred with, with different people. And so they were like the outcast, the people you don't want to mess with. And Jesus goes out of his way to go there. Mm-hmm. And then he meets at the woman at the well. We're going to deal with that deal with all that in a few a few weeks but geography matters and we have to learn about it mm-hmm. there's you're not going to understand any of these ancient cities these ancient civilizations you've got to do the work to ask questions and to study it and and to check out your your study bible to help you bridge that gap yeah. mm-hmm. to understand you know like you just ask yourself when you say something like who cares? If you're ever reading the Bible and you're like, who cares? That should immediately tell you, you don't get it. Yeah. You start you, reading all the names. You're missing <laughs> It's something. like, I'm going to skip first Matthew. <laughs> yeah. You're missing something. Yeah, you're missing it. God put it there for a purpose. Every word is God breathed yeah. and meant to teach us something. Yep. So if you're like, who cares? It, that means there's something special there that you don't see. Yep. Right? So there's gold under them, their hills. Yeah. And you need to dig. Yeah, you need good. to dig for it. I remember when we were in Ezra and that, that if there's a book that like needs to be brought to like geo, like geographical, like you need to see it. And I, I, th- I think you just remember, I remember you showed us a few pictures you found of what that city looked like or the rubble or something. Stones, yeah. Uh, the stones. And it just, even just see, like remembering, oh, this happened here on this earth. <laughs> it, uh, yeah. You know, it's like, right. this was real. This actually, I could go travel to this place in this area where it happened you know, uh, same thing with this w- woman at the well. I was, I was studying that the other day, and apparently they think they know they have the same well, and there's a church built around it right now, uh, supposedly. Anyway, so I want to look pictures, and it just has a way of grounding the Bible and helping me remember as a believer, this is real. Yeah. This is a real story. This happened this, really in time, yes. in a place, yeah. with real people, just like you and me. Yep. That kind of an idea. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's helpful. Yep. And so, again, you want to know what it meant for those people at that town, in yep. that place, at that time, before you say, what does it mean for me? You need to say, what did it mean for them? Mm-hmm. That's the most important question. So yeah, with Nehemiah and Ezra, when he's like, he's at the sheep gate and he's at the yeah. this gate. And, you're at, <laughs> and then you can actually you know, pull that up and look at it and look where it was. It just helps you understand. He's walking on the walls. He's checking all these places. Well, this is what's going on. It helps you under, you know, come to better understand what the actual original meaning was. And when you find the original meaning, you will find a principle of God that's unchanging Mm -hmm. that then you can apply to yourself. Mm -hmm. 
So the the principle isn't, you know, I need to go inspect the sheep gate. <laughs> right? That's not the principle, yeah. right? The principle it, the principle is for for for, you know, I'm not in, in specific specific instances like with Ezra, the principle was the right worship of God precedes cultural renewal. Correct. Yeah. The right worship of God precedes civic renewal. Nehemiah after the right worship of God, civic cultural renewal needs to happen. You need to build walls and protect your way of life, right? Mm -hmm. From the bad guys that try to come in. There is, there's nothing wrong with that, right? You need governing authorities that worship God. You need hardworking individuals. The, the city's not going to be rebuilt unless everyday people sacrifice and put in the effort and put in the work. Those are principles that will directly apply to your life, mm -hmm. right? The worship of God, the word of God is preeminent. It comes first. But then after that is our obedience, our families, you know, again, remember when they're rebuilding the wall and they're, they're building in front of their own homes and their yeah. own, own businesses and their families are all behind them. Mm -hmm. And they, they weren't fighting for what was in front of them. They were fighting what, for what was behind them, mm -hmm. their families, right? Protecting their heritage and the kingdom of God, ultimately. Yeah. You think about Revelation, the different tribes and nations, if you think of those as places of geography that depict a certain people and they're bringing their gifts into the new heavens and the new earth. It, it reminds me that God actually cares about building things. He cares about place. He cares about different cultures and producing those. So, you know, when you're hearing about these different places, they're, um, God values, there's something of value in substance in place and, and geography that will be brought into the new heavens and the new earth. It's not yeah. Like, you know, so, all right. So geography matters. Yeah. Study it. Listen, not the end of the world, but you know, but you need to study it a little bit to understand the meaning of the text most of the time. Okay, now with that, there's going to be some what we would call literary challenges. Now, literary challenges are, you know, each author is going to have a specific writing style. However, I think some of it is temperamental based. It's gifting based, but you're going to interpret the Psalms yeah. different than you're going to interpret most of the book of Genesis, right? The book of Genesis is first person narrative kind of, it's most of it, or, or it's, it's, a, it's written in a narrative format yeah. and Psalms is, is poems, yeah. right? It's, it's poetic and we need to know that. Now, most people intuitively do this. They don't know they're doing it, mm -hmm. but they're they're doing it. So, you know, if if God's talking about his strong right arm in the Psalms, we intuit that he's talking about his strength. Mm -hmm. We don't go, oh man. He has a strong right arm. <laughs> I wonder how strong God's right, right arm, arm is. Really is. Is it bigger <laughs> than his left arm? Yeah. Does that mean he's right-handed? Yeah. Yeah. Is he, is God God's right. What about his left hand? Or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, that, yeah. you know, that, it's, uh, it, it's, it's poetry, right? So we, we're meant to interpret it a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to literary challenges, I think the first literary challenge that we have to address is just the language gap. Right, the language gap. So, what what would you say to that, Rob? Like, how how do we address the language gap? the The Bible was written to us in primarily Hebrew and a little bit of Aramaic and Greek. Yeah, everybody's got to go out and get their 
Hebrew, Aramaic, and uh, Greek cha- uh, Greek studies. You know, so I uh, encourage everybody to like learn their Arama- Arabic, Aramaic. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, dead no, no. languages. Yeah, dead languages. There you go. Yeah, no, it it goes back to again getting I think some good resources and 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 it does it does go back to what we had talked about earlier in terms of the importance of having the right kind of Bible. So in other words. There is something to be said for kind of a more of a word-to-word, more um, uh, liter- a, a translation. It's going to be a little bit more clunky, but it's a clunky because they're trying to be more true to the to each word that has been given to us through these original languages. So you know, there's something. That's why ESV. I think we we feel strongly about that. That's a good good middle ground place to, to really understand the original original languages. And then you got your commentaries. You you know, commentaries will certainly help to explain some of the more important words that might have some nuances that maybe we can't catch in our English version, but they would be able to help us to catch it in terms of them, those who have had these kind of studies. And there's going to be a lot, I mean, you can get a, a simple interlinear dictionary between Greek, a Greek interlinear, inter, I can't even say the word no, right now. Interlinear, but, I can't yeah, either, wow. It's hard to say. <laughs> but it's going to, Translate words from Greek to English or from English to Greek or from, you know, Hebrew to English and English to Hebrew or Aramaic, whatever. Those, those are online. You can Google. Yeah. You can mm-hmm. Google those. Yeah. So you can Google, like, what is the Greek word here in this text? And you, and you can look it up. So you, in some sense, you, know, you, you can't become a Greek scholar without studying Greek, but you can understand some, you know, you can study your Bible in this way. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's pretty fascinating to do that. Now I use Logos Bible software that I literally just take my mouse and scroll it over a word mm. and it shows me the Greek, the Aramaic, That's amazing. the different ways this word is interpreted everywhere else in the Bible, this word is used. And so, you know, it's cheating. Yeah. <laughs> it's just faster. It's fine. Yeah. Faster. It's way, it's way faster. More efficient. More efficient. Yeah. yeah so anytime you're reading a translation you're relying on scholars who are bridging the language gap for you and they're doing the best they can. It's just important that you know people that translate the Bible have different goals in mind. Mm -hmm. Again, we've already kind of briefly talked about this. Two big camps of Bible translation, thought-for-thought translations. Thought-for-thought translations, you've got New Living Translations, you've got the, the, the Message Bible. Good News Bible. Good News Bible. And then you've got word-for-word translations. NIV, ESV, mm-hmm. NASB. Mm-hmm. These are all good word-for-word. And then you've got weird ones. Um, <clears throat> what's the one that like puts parentheses in and it, and it writes stuff in? It like, oh man, what is that Bible? Amplified? Amplified, Amplified. that's it. Good the job. Amplified Bible. So the Amplified Bible tries to do both at the same time. Yeah. And it, I know my mom really likes it. To me, it's just weird. Mm-hmm. I can't, it reads so, it just reads so clunky to me, but so many people like it. Um, but it's just important that you know that, that translators, they're just, they're, they're trying to help you come to understand the word of God. And some of them believe, hey, it's the thoughts that matter. It's the themes that matter. And some of them believe, no, it's every, every single word, yeah. word. And I think, it's both and. Mm-hmm. I think it's both and. When I came to faith, 
the New Living Translation was my jam. Mm. I mean, my youth pastor gave me the New Living Translation, and I memorized that sucker. You know, it was a thought for thought, but I thought it was a word for word. Yeah. You, know? Right. you know, and that's how I memorized it. And I and then I got and then I trans, um, I changed to the ESV because I realized that I wanted the word for word. I thought it had more meat. It was better for st- actually studying the Bible. Um, but I could see the benefit if you had one of those, if you had one of each side by side. I think the thought for thought speaks better to the outsider, to the unbeliever, to the immature, and the word for word is just better to study. Are, so you, you, aw- well, are you aware of any translation that you would just outright say, don't even pick that up? Oh, yeah, but I can't name them off right off the top of my head. Okay. But there's a lot of them. Okay. I mean, for the most part, I say that about the message. Okay, yeah. I, I say that about the message. I've tried a couple times, but it's so, verna- it's, so, so it's in the common vernacular. Yeah. Something about it, to me, feels irreverent. Mm-hmm. And I just would just, for the yeah. most part, dismiss it. Sure. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't like it. Um, I feel like there's but a But, dude, there's, there's so many yeah. translations. There's like hundreds yeah. of translations that I haven't read. And I would dismiss most most of them. I think I would <laughs> yeah. dismiss most of them. You know, so, one one to be thinking about is the NIV. Uh, interestingly enough, the newer version. There's a there's a. And I wish I knew the date. There's a date of a version where it doesn't do this, but now they're starting to make it gender neutral. The NIV, and that's because a new publisher has swooped that up from a good conservative oh, publisher. Oh, this this is the the, up. the NIV. Tranny version. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Okay. So, well, so I don't translation. That, but that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh Lord, the so, translation. So speaking of that, like uh, so many people, like definitely for an outsider, they're like, "How do you guys even believe that stuff?" It's translated <laughs> so many times. Like, how do you guys even grasp like what God's actually saying? Yeah. Well, that's just a misunderstanding of what translation actually means, and it's a misunderstanding that things have been translated from a translation from a translation from a translation yeah. that's just not that's not true uh we have uh early documents that we can still go back and and study very early documents and so we have we do have copies of copies of copies but the thing is you can take the latest copies and you can go back and look at the earliest manuscripts and they're almost identical mm. and where they differ is in like mostly in punctuation and minuscule areas, yeah. nothing of theological significance. Okay. Yeah. 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 So except for the trans <laughs> Bible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I okay. get why they're doing some of that, but no, okay. it's it's ridiculous. So mm. so I even like going back to the King James Version sometimes mm-hmm. to study. I think it's written much more beautifully. The yes. language is um mm-hmm. it's a higher Mm-hmm. It's the King's English. It's better. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I go back and go, man, I think we lost some stuff even with... Yeah, they kind of go for beauty. A little bit more beauty is going on there yep. in King James. It reads more like Lord of the Rings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. In Genesis or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. That's good. I think when you read the Bible, it's the words of God. And so it should pull us out of our culture a little bit, mm-hmm. above our culture. Something about the, the message, it's written... So we have our, our culture today... We speak, just go, I mean, I would challenge anyone, go back and, and read an Abraham Lincoln speech. Go back and read a Charles Spurgeon sermon. Go mm. back and read Jonathan Edwards' writing. Go back and read, you know, something 
from 100 years ago even in the United States. And their command of the English language, mm-hmm. Amazing. I feel stupid yes. when I read them. You know, my son was telling me something. He used the common, like, well, all the keen teenagers are doing it. Everybody's doing it. And I'm like, and I just said, oh, yeah, you know what John Calvin was doing at your age? <laughs> like, I'm like, here's the deal, bud. Teenagers haven't always been this stupid, mm-hmm. right? Teenagers have not always been this immature. Like, that's a modern day fallacy and a lie. And, and man, I want, you, I want something better for you. And that's, we go back and ring King, King James and I'm like, oh my goodness, some of this is just, it's hard to understand, but it's, it's beautiful mm-hmm. and there's a depth to it, yep. right? So something about the, the message just seems pedantic yeah. and a little immature to sure. me, but would I hand it to an unbeliever? Yeah, maybe, you know? Mm-hmm. I, think I, I think I probably would. So... That's the time gap, the geographical gap, and the cultural gap. Those are all historical challenges. We just have to know we're reading a book written from a different time, a different area in the world, and a different culture. And it's important for us to understand what was going on at that time, in that area, in that culture, before we jump to, oh, this is what this means to me, okay? That's, there's a prerequisite of understanding what was going on in that culture. I think the simplest way to do that is with the ESV study Bible. Mm -hmm. Just read the first five pages before whatever book you're studying, and it's going to have the author, the date, the purpose, the occasion, the Mm -hmm. geography. You're going to have some maps. Read those. Look at those. You might not get anything out of them, but maybe something will jump out at you, right? And that one thing will help you come to understand the text in its original context better that then will help you extrapolate a principle that is universal and then apply that principle to your own life. Mm-hmm. And that will help you walk away from your time studying the Word of God with a universal principle that can be applied to your life that will actually change your life in a God-honoring way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Any other thoughts or questions on those guys? Nope. All right. Hopefully these historical challenges have helped you understand the scriptures in a little bit better way or give you some tools to study the scripture in a little bit better way. If you've got any questions, please email me, Pastor Justin, no, 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 Justin Dean at sacredcitychurch.com. And I will do my best to answer those questions and we will talk to you soon. We love you. We're praying for you. God bless. <laughs>